Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. My first job in ministry was at the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. There I assisted the Reverend Dr. Paul Smith with leading worship. His church was my first real church home, and he shaped my faith and ministry in numerous ways and still does. He studied under the great Christian mystic and multicultural minister, Dr. Howard Thurman. Now, Dr. Paul, when I knew him, journaled every evening, but he often didn't start writing his sermon until Saturday night, even Sunday morning. So I would have the liturgy all written up based on the week's lectionary and prepared the bulletin before Thursday, the deadline the church secretary had set. But I would leave the scripture lesson blank. When we met in his study before worship, I would ask Dr. Paul, what scripture I should read to go with the sermon. Usually his answer was one of three things, the Beatitudes, Psalm 139, or you choose. More often than not, I chose the Beatitudes. It seemed to have the most potential to match whatever good news that Dr. Paul would preach that morning. The Sermon on the Mount was, after all, the pinnacle of Jesus's own preaching career. But as I read it today, in the context of All Saints and All Souls weekend, I'm struck by the diversity of people who were called blessed. Listen to them now and let them awaken you to the blessings and blessed people all around us. Let us hear the scripture from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? I find it interesting that the Beatitudes are a reading for All Saints Day. I suppose I always thought that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was describing a group of people who could see and understand something I would never be able to. The meek, 
the hungry, the thirsty, the poor in spirit, the ever mournful, the persecuted for the gospel, all seemed like they possessed a humility I could never aspire to in my own life. It sounds almost contradictory to aspire to absolute humility, but that is somehow how it strikes me when considering these various states of suffering as blessed. For the last two weeks, Jennifer Ayers has been leading the parenting Sunday school class in a discussion on the book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved by Kate Bowler. Bowler is a professor at Duke Divinity School. She specializes in the prosperity gospel movement, a brand of Christianity best known through celebrity preachers like Creflo Dollar or Joel Olstein. Perhaps it's best summed up as believe and God will reward you. That sounds great when things are going great. Americans love to believe in their own exceptionalism. White supremacy flourishes when our unconfessed elitism hides and operates under a myth of meritocracy rather than a vision of egalitarianism. So why not create a spiritual meritocracy? Well, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, I don't think so. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I can't see Creflo and Joel raising the roof of praise or the down payment on a private plane with those lines. While it might look like Jesus is turning a social hierarchy on its head to make a heavenly one, it's important when listening to these two beatitudes that Jesus says the blessed poor and persecuted already possess heaven. The realm of God's love is already here. Jesus is repeating a concept that he had been teaching throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus mentions the kingdom of heaven 33 times in this gospel. He says the kingdom of God four times and refers to just the kingdom another 17 times. His theme is that the kingdom of God is here and is coming. There is an inbreaking of God's love that is already among us incarnate in the life of Jesus and in those who follow this way of compassion. Now the other Beatitudes tell us that the meek, the mournful, the pure-hearted, the merciful, those who thirst for justice, and those who make peace are blessed as well and will receive the fruits of heaven that are already here but not yet fully realized. The comfort the mercy, the fulfillment of righteousness, the glimpses of God, and the assurance that they are God's children are all foretastes of the heavenly banquet. Reminders that blessed is both who they are and who they are meant to be. So in the midst of her research on the prosperity gospel, Kate Bowler experiences a series of inexplicable health crises she loses feelings in her arms and must finish her dissertation by using only dictation software because she can't type. 
She undergoes years of testing, trying to figure out the source of this neuropathy and also some serious digestive issues and other abdominal pain. The communities that she was studying would suggest that she needs more prayer, more positivity, more belief, more Jesus, or just more searching the mind of God for the reason that she is suffering. In her book, Kate Bowler describes what it was like to receive a diagnosis of stage four colon cancer in her late 30s with a toddler son and her new dream job. She looks back at a decade of denial as she fought to finish her PhD and to conquer infertility to have a son. Kate had her own reasonable lies, for that is how those of us who believe in the rationale of a meritocracy over the existence of God's kingdom cope. We believe that above all, that we can control our own destiny. She thought that she could work harder, exert more control over her body, and search broader for the doctor with the cure. But there was no cure. There were only ways of managing pain and the spread of the disease. And spiritually, there was also management of expectations to do. There was relearning what it means to be in relationship with God and what it means to be blessed. Now, since publishing her book in 2018, Kate manages her cancer with a new immunotherapy treatment that is effective for the time being. She also launched a podcast called Just Everything Happens, in which she invites guests to speak about their own encounters with suffering and the unique ways they lie to themselves about why they succeed or what causes their suffering. What emerges in these conversations is a portrait of life, suffering included. It's pain and it's unintended consequences, both good and bad. Everything happens, period. Not for this reason, not because of this, and not so that this shall come. What if we were to read the Beatitudes in this way? Blessed are period. Not blessed for this reason or because of this you did or didn't do. Not blessed because you survived this trial or so you can fulfill this purpose. Just blessed. Child of God, period. What if the Beatitudes weren't a prescription of how to earn God's favor and get into heaven? What if they were just a description of the many, many people on earth? Who are blessed. Many whom you'd overlook if you were judging from a capitalistic or prosperity gospel point of view. Now it's hard not to read the Beatitudes without trying to fit them into some kind of cause and effect schema drawn by our need to control our own destinies or our desire to order our societies by merit. But what if we just stopped to listen to what Jesus had been saying all along. The kingdom of God is here and is coming. Not by your excellence, but by God's love. Blessed are we all, period. Just pay attention and follow the love.
Suffering has been called by more than one Christian saint, the purifying fire. The heat and light that penetrates through our delusions and impurities and reveals what is most essential about our existence. Joy is such an illuminating agent too. So don't be fooled in thinking such purification is the reason that suffering exists. It's a byproduct, not a purpose. Everything that happens to us has the potential to reveal our blessedness because everything that happens, happens in the presence of God. And so those who mourn will be comforted and the meek will find a home in the natural world and the merciful will find mercy and the pure hearted will see God. Perhaps we should let these invocations open our eyes to the kingdom of heaven that is awakening our present and illuminating our future. In the Protestant tradition, we don't differentiate between All Saints and All Souls Day. We don't have a separate day to honor those in heaven from a day to pray for those in purgatory. We see instead the potential for every soul to have a beatific vision of heaven. For as Jesus tells us in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is among us. And in a year like this year, when a country like ours has lost 200,000 souls to COVID-19 and our world has lost 1.17 million, many of whom could not be mourned properly, I think that it's important to honor the saints that live in all of us. And in a week, when our disagreements and divisions will determine the future of this nation, the Beatitudes invite us to make peace with the child of God in anyone, even in our enemy. When I asked my mentor, Dr. Paul, once how he was able to maintain his loving and peacemaking demeanor, even in the midst of all the racism and invisible white supremacy that he encountered as a black pastor in a gentrified neighborhood and in a most, mostly white denomination. He told a story about Dr. Howard Thurman on a trip to India. When Thurman disembarked his ship and was the only passenger approached to be searched by a guard who was also of African descent, Thurman looked the man straight in the eyes and said, I don't know if you speak my language, but I hope you see me. Let us not let the man who is making you do this to me make enemies of you and me. For if he does, he will sit on a wall with one boot on your back and the other on mine. It's tempting as we make our allegiances this week to forget the humanity and even the potential virtue present in those who cast their lot on the other side. But God has put a seed of righteousness in all of us. Although it must grow amidst many stubborn weeds and sometimes on ground poisoned by our collective past, this seed is watered when we recognize it in each of us. This week I asked the nominees to serve as your elders of this church. 
to answer the question, who is someone who influenced your faith and why? I was thinking myself of Dr. Paul as my answer, but I was struck by their answers. Several said their parents, a couple said a former pastor of theirs, and one said a famous nurse and another a civil rights leader. When I look back at my own life, I have had many influences that reminded me that God was real and present, that God's kingdom is near. Some of these are family members and some are former pastors who will likely be voting very differently than I have. And yet I cannot deny the way they stepped in when I needed it and showed me something important about the ever-present nature of God's love. Some of these are like Dr. Paul, who without question embody one or more of the Beatitudes. But some of them, like me, don't really fall neatly into any beatific category, but may have had their moments of spiritual clarity, even grace. Yet all of us share in the assurance that God's kingdom is already here and is also becoming more real to us, even through us. My favorite definition of what a saint is comes from a gospel song called We Fall Down, famously sung by Pastor Donnie McClurkin. The line goes, a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. No matter where the delegates fall on Tuesday, no matter where the votes are cast, there's no denying that we as Americans and as Christians have fallen. With so many lives lost to COVID, so many jobs affected, so many young students suffering from depression and anxiety, and so much national debt to address, and yes, such strong divisions and uncivil tensions, we have a lot from which to get back up again. To help me do that this week, I will definitely have Donnie McClurkin on my playlist. And I don't know, I'll share a link with you through Facebook and in our In Touch newsletter. But I will also be reading and journaling on the Beatitudes. I'll be looking for all the unexpected ways that we are already and continue to be blessed. Blessed are we, the fallen, for God is already here and is still coming. Amen.